1: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
0: The podcast which you are about to hear is an account of a film which befell two friends, Jack Bishop and his able-bodied co-host Justin Nisham when they each respectively watched it in their teenage years. It was all the more impactful that they were young and would become a nightmare they would never forget. But had they experienced this film for the first time today, could they appreciate or even stomach the mad and macabre that they were to witness? The experience would later lead them to purchase one of the most bizarre and popular DVDs in the annals of American history. This week, on Cinema Possessed, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Cinema,
3: possessed, possessed, is a cinema
0: Welcome everybody to the Cinema Possessed Podcast. My name is Jack Bishop. And I'm Justin Isham. And each week we take a close look at one film in our combined DVD and Blu-ray collections and discuss what it was about it that originally possessed us to want to possess it. We'll debate whether or not the film still holds that power over us today. And in the end, we'll decide once and for all if it deserves to keep its place on the shelf or be strung up on a meat hook and sawed into pieces. Justin, what movie are we talking about today? Today, we're talking
2: about none other than the Texas Chainsaw Massacre.
3: What happened was true. The most bizarre and brutal series of crimes in America. This is the movie that is just as real, just as close, just as terrifying as being there. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. After you stop screaming you'll start talking about it.
2: 1974, rated R, one hour, 23 minutes, written by Kim Henkel and Toby Hooper, directed by Toby Hooper.
0: Interesting tagline at the end of that. After you stop screaming, you'll start talking about it, which is exactly what we're going to do today. Justin, what did, what did you watch this movie on?
2: I own the two-disc Ultimate Edition Steelbook, the original, restored, remastered. It's two discs. Uh, disc one is the movie. Uh, disc 2 is a, a heap full of bonus features, but I have some bad news. Hmm. Uh, so I went to go watch the movie, and I opened up my DVD. Oh my god, it's cracked in half. I didn't even notice it was cracked in half, so I couldn't watch it on this edition. So right. I had to find it on streaming. Okay. I, I'm, well. I'm ashamed to say.
0: Hey, that happens sometimes. That's the uh, That's physical media for you. That
2: is one negative to physical media but before we get into the the version that i watched Mm -hmm. i'm curious what it is that you love about
0: physical media well i love the option of it being there you know there's been so many times when i want to watch a movie and it's just not available on streaming Mm -hmm. um and so when it's movies that i love i really like the fact that i have them also we live in a time too where sometimes it's on streaming and then it gets taken away Mm -hmm. um we also live in a time, too, where people fuck with that shit. You, you go and you find a movie on a streaming service, mm-hmm. and you start watching it, and you realize the aspect ratio is wrong. Mm-hmm. You realize that... I, I, I put on Scarface one time, and the music was different. It was the same melodies, but it was very clearly a different recording of... The score and I was like I can't why? I can't exactly when did this happen why did this happen maybe it was some sort they of the lost weird the,
2: the rights to the music or something
0: right maybe it's a weird remastering mm-hmm. maybe it technically was the same score it just the way they mixed it was different than the way I'm used to and again you know a lot of this stuff is based on nostalgia the way you experience these things and sometimes it's like a warm blanket to go back to the same piece of physical media that you've always consumed this thing on, you know, like, yeah,
2: it's exactly how you
0: remember it. Yeah. I, my favorite, one of my favorite albums of all time is ABBA's The Visitors. And I fell in love with that album on vinyl. And when I listen to it on Spotify, I'm always internally waiting for the same tones and sounds that I've always heard from the vinyl but mm-hmm. you don't get it in that digital even though it's technically cleaner and it's technically better so much of my love is in listening to it on that specific vinyl and you get the same thing when it comes to dvds sometimes i mean i've never i watched this on a on a dvd mm-hmm. i have a pioneer dvd of texas chainsaw massacre it's uh people who may recognize the cover of it is just a giant saw blade with mm-hmm. like a nice it's sparkle amazing. of light on it it's a really cool design this was I think the second edition of this film to ever come out on DVD, it says 2003 at the bottom of it. So, this is a 20 year old DVD. Mm-hmm. And other than the first time I saw this film, which was renting it on VHS, the only other times I've ever watched this movie has been on DVD. I've never streamed it. I've never gone to a theater and seen it at a revival house, which actually is a shame. I would love to see this movie mm-hmm. uh, projected on film. So, I've only ever watched it on this DVD. And so, I'm very accustomed and used to what this looks like in quality mm-hmm. um and we'll get into it but also this is the kind of film that doesn't necessarily hurt to watch it in yeah it, be-
2: it benefits from uh, from something low low a little more low. yeah quality. i mean i would
0: i would be the next time i watch it i would actually be very interested to watch it on a I, I watched
2: day. it in in 1080p glorious glorious so <laughs> I, I actually this, this is one of my problems with amazon prime as a streaming platform so do you know about freebie
0: I've heard of it. I've never okay. experienced it. I
2: feel like Amazon Prime is the only platform that has a platform within a platform. And Freevee was the presentation of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I watched it was in high definition for better or worse, but it came with ads and I had no mm. option to skip them. So even though I have an Amazon Prime membership, right, I have to stream it through Prime with Freevee. With ads interrupting the experience, it's a nightmare. Again, this and is a, this is an argument is why for I don't media. like streaming. And it's like you, it, to me, Amazon Prime is like Netflix. It should just be a hub to stream the movie you want to watch. Once you queue it up, let's go. But
0: what was the special feature? Did you watch any of the I special did. features?
2: I did. Uh, so since Disc Two was the only one that worked, I was able to watch the Texas Chainsaw Massacre: The Shocking Truth documentary. I've seen it? this before. It's yeah. not
0: included on mine. Mm-hmm. Mine is very bare bones. Mine mm-hmm. has a commentary track. Mm-hmm. Mine has uh, deleted and alternate scenes footage mostly. It has a blooper reel which is funny. Mm-hmm. Mine has a blooper reel. Um, and then trailers. Mine is basically built out of raw footage. Like they clearly got access to some raw mm-hmm. dailies and they essentially built all their special features mm-hmm. out of that on mine. But mine has no documentaries, no talking heads, but I have yes. seen The Shocking Truth before.
2: This is so jam-packed with features that not only does it have deleted scenes and outtakes and a blooper reel from the movie, right? it has outtakes from the documentary of the movie. Wow, from yes. The Shocking Truth. Yes. Interesting. Did yes. you watch I did that? Did you watch watch that. Oh, okay. I did not watch that. I did not. I was not Um, uh, I didn't go that far yet, but the documentary was great. I yeah. thought um, it was clearly edited and uh, directed by by a filmmaker who intercut interviews together in a way yeah. that was like often funny, and um, they're asking all the talent and crew the same questions, so they're cross cutting between their responses, and it was often done in a way that was uh, either reinforcing what someone was saying about the experience of working right. on the movie or um, creating like a funny moment. Well, yeah,
0: and this is a movie too where people have kind of people who worked on it have different accounts of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We'll get into them as we go through the movie, but like it's f- when you look up trivia on this movie or when we start reading up about it, Toby Hooper might say one thing and then Gunnar Hansen will say, a similar but slightly well, different, and usually things are either more or less exaggerated in whoever is telling it.
2: I've noticed a trend though of Toby Hooper saying drastically different things than the rest than of the, the others. crew and the, the talent. The crew and the talent seem to be on the same page. Which
0: I would actually probably buy their stories more yeah. because Toby Hooper was probably in a fugue state making this movie. Oh, yeah. It's very clearly a hard movie to make. The conditions were tough, and he's there every single day he's the one having to hold it all in his shoulder so i would not be surprised if he blacked out parts of it or has false memories of about things i would probably be more likely to trust a gunner hansen um because he's probably had more downtime to actually absorb
2: they had they let's not dismiss the harrowing experience that they had as well on the film i mean they were they were put through through the ringer as well but yeah yeah, it feels like everybody was in a disassociative fugue state on that Project. Yeah.
0: Before we leave the DVDs just a the an interesting thing about my special features. I did watch them all including the commentary. Um the did you watch any of the deleted or alternate footage? I did not. So I don't know if yours would do this, but the cool thing about this feature on my disc is because this is such an early DVD, this was back in the days when special features were really really actually meant to be like a film school substitute there's a feature on this called like the uh a study in filmmaking Mm. and it showed you the sequence in which um the character of kirk gets malleted over the head in the doorway Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. this special feature basically gave you every shot that was filmed for that sequence in its raw footage. You see the clapboard oh, wow. come in and you get to see everything. And it starts with like literally a description of how editing works. It's like a sequence is made up of multiple shots and and you choose those in editing and you isolate and sometimes you don't use stuff. And to demonstrate, these are all the shots that were filmed. Wow for the making of this. And I thought that was kind of an endearing quality of these mm-hmm. special features that are sort of lackluster in general, but there was a nice quality to the fact that it was treating you as like an aspiring filmmaker or at least somebody who was interested in the process of filmmaking. And so not only was it giving you these alternate and deleted scenes, but it was explaining why they were deleted and why they were alternate and even to the point where it would give you... um you could click and see excerpts from the script.
2: You're talking about the screen. It shows you the screen, the excerpt from the screenplay.
0: Exactly. And that's nice. Yeah, and it does it for all of them. Uh, for every alternate deleted scene. Um, which I just thought was cool and you wouldn't really I feel like nowadays if you buy like a blu-ray of this movie I wouldn't you don't be get su- that. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if they had the deleted and alternate scenes but I bet you they just show them. Yeah. They probably don't no, give you any sort of explanation. It's the
2: bare minimum the whoever's putting together these blu-ray packages they're like let's just get this out the door.
0: What was your relationship to this movie growing up? What do you remember when you first saw it?
2: So yeah, you you actually um, had a piece of misinformation in your opening. I, I I didn't see it as a teenager, unfortunately. So this is one of those movies that was uh, that was banned in my household. So you know my dad; he's a psychologist. He has very strong opinions mm-hmm. about about this kind of stuff. But he's uh, he's a complicated man when it comes to what I can and cannot watch. So for example, uh, it wasn't necessarily about a movie being rated R. It was about the realism of the violence. right? So, for example, Terminator 2, no problem. Predator, no problem, right? Because it's are fantastical. Fantastical. Alien, aliens, no issue at all. No hesitation. My dad didn't even, like, pre-screen these movies. He was excited to watch them. He wanted an excuse to... to to sit down and watch Arnie, you know? So... But
0: something like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, he's probably like, this could actually disturb my Yes,
2: not just disturb me, warp me into a serial killer. (laughs) Um, Pulp Fiction was another film in that category of, um, you wouldn't understand it, you... you will be tainted by it. Right. You know, he didn't use those words, but it, it was like, but it was clear to parents at that yeah. time
0: that a movie like Pulp Fiction was irreverent with its violence and mm-hmm. that it was using it to make humor. And that's mm-hmm. kind of also a no, no when it comes to yeah affecting your brain.
2: But it also goes to show the, I, I'm sorry, the ignorance of, of my, my dad, he, he is making these judgment calls based on the box. And as we know, the right. box is usually the, sometimes the most gratuitous part of The movie it it implies something that oftentimes isn't there, especially if it's like a low budget video nasty or something like Mm -hmm, that. The mm -hmm. cover and the title is designed to be the most shocking thing to get you into the theater or to rent the movie from the video store.
0: And this movie is called the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's
2: not the Texas Chainsaw Murders. (laughs) It's a massacre. Yeah, it's a massacre.
0: I think it's maybe the most appealing movie title you could you could have. It's it gets you in. It's scary. In and of itself.
2: I did hear some original titles that they had for the movie. Same. Head Cheese. Head Cheese. Disgusting. Yeah. But not nearly as effective.
0: Leatherface was the title. Apparently, when they were filming it, they were calling it Leatherface. Right. But originally. Yeah. Which is a good title. I had a similar experience where. I didn't see this movie until I was about 13 or 14 Mm -hmm. because, one, it never played on TV. Mm -hmm. Every other horror franchise, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, Child's Play, Halloween, all these movies played on TV constantly. But Texas Chainsaw Massacre never played on TV as far as my awareness of it. Although I was completely aware of the movie. I grew up knowing who Leatherface was. Kids talked about it the same way they talked about Freddy Krueger. But because the movie was called the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and even that character of Leatherface sounded so extreme, and the fact that it never played on TV. By the time I was a teenager, it it was like a cursed film. Yeah. in my mind,
2: I think it conceptually is too disturbing for television. Especially although at that time, the reality of what's in the film, especially by today's standards, is not that exactly. It's much gruesome. Tamer. Yeah, but I don't think you would want to watch a TV version of this. It's like, how do you edit around? Right. All?
0: Well, because and because you're not even editing around necessarily graphic. Mm-hmm. Visual images of gore—you'd—I'm you'd, sure a censor would want to edit just the tone of the film, right? And the the screaming—you
2: yeah, you strip everything away. Yeah, you strip everything. This away.
0: movie has so much screaming. Mm-hmm. Usually, when I watch this movie, at some point I have to turn the volume down. Yeah, because I feel I worried that the neighbors are going to be like, why do I keep hearing consistent screaming coming from this house? Oh yeah.
2: You know you know that the sound person on that set was the unsung hero of that production. Oh, for sure. The amount of screaming just daily. coming into his headphones daily he probably has nightmares, uh, nightmares yeah. still.
0: He still hears them yeah, ringing still, in his ears. Yeah,
2: his partner is probably like, talk to somebody.
0: Yeah, so I didn't see it until I was like 13 or 14, and that was actually, I had to kind of pump myself up for it. Like nowadays, I pretty much go into every horror film without really any actual fear. Yeah. But 13 or 14, I'm, I'm not quite there yet. So I'm still approaching new horror films mm-hmm. with a sense of excitement yeah. and like actual... Nerves to see them and this one absolutely I would do
2: anything to get that back Oh, I mean, it's what you chase for yeah. the rest of your life
0: and it goes away and it's really hard to find
2: Yeah, we're desensitized,
0: but I will say watching this movie again. There's a low grade quality to it that feels authentic and Legitimately scary from like an aesthetic standpoint, but you can tell and I could tell even then that there was like a artistry mm-hmm. in the filmmaking and the storytelling And I remember being surprised by that, but also totally satisfied in terms of like what my expectations were. Do you feel
2: like an aspect of that artistry takes away from that snuff quality you were talking about? Not
0: at all, because I don't want it. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like there's plenty of movies like the guinea pig movies, you know, I can't watch that shit because it's there is no actual there is artistry in terms of like the effects and the gore that they do, but the filmmaking is usually lacking. Yeah. And I do need a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. I don't love it when a movie is just being nasty. Yeah. So there's technically nastier movies. This movie, I think I think Texas Chainsaw actually strikes a really great balance of it where yeah. it it draws you in. I mean, let's just talk about that opening. Mm-hmm. That opening Which
2: one? There's like three openings. And that's
0: what's so great mm-hmm. about it is like <laughs> you it starts with a voiceover And text reading on the screen that is basically saying this is a true story. Right. The voiceover is being read by John Larroquette, by the way, from Night Court fame. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And apparently he was paid in marijuana. Wow. To do that. um, Which is hilarious. (laughs) And on the commentary, um, Toby Hooper said he told John Larroquette to do an Orson Welles Mm. voice. mm -hmm. And he was like, he didn't really, he ends up still sounding like John Larroquette. But I thought that was funny that that's sort of deep gravelly voice that he's doing is him attempting yeah. to do
2: it's uh, it's as iconic as like the star War- wars like text crawl yeah
0: and they brought him uh, they brought john larry back for subsequent uh texas Chainsaw like the remake i think mm-hmm. the the michael bay produced remake that came out in like 2003 also mm-hmm. had john larry do the, do the did voice they also
2: over. pay him in marijuana or i assume yeah. so
0: he and harrison ford yeah um that whole opening crawl is amazing and then it The first shot of the film, that corpse Mm -hmm. sitting atop the grave and that slow pullback with the sun.
2: Speaking of artistry, I mean, just like that's like performance art.
0: It's an incredible looking shot. And you're getting information while that shot is happening, too. You're hearing like Mm -hmm. that radio, Mm -hmm. and they're talking about how graves are being exhumed, and somebody is going through and like unearthing these corpses. Oh, I forgot the flashes, the camera Mm -hmm. flashes, the signature.
2: Do you know what what the that sound is? Like how they did that? No. I don't know either. Um, I, I
0: know that Toby Hooper did make a lot of the music mm-hmm. and the sound design. Mm-hmm.
2: I wonder if it's like a musical instrument like a violin or something. Yeah, I mean it
0: sounds like a bowed mm-hmm. bowing on something. And they clearly knew that was going to be iconic because the movie ended and I sat through the entire end credits and then goes to black screen and then it just
3: yeah. So
0: they were like this shit's going to be iconic as fuck. Yeah. But yeah, after that's like after the opening crawl that shot, and then going into mm-hmm. the credits, which has a mm-hmm. great font and like that really cool red and yellow inverted footage of stuff. Mm-hmm. By the time that's over, I'm already like, this is a five star movie. Yeah.
2: And then you got the armadillo on the road mm-hmm. and the, with the revealing the van pulling up.
0: You're completely drawn into it. And watching it this time too, I was putting together a lot of things that felt like I was putting them together for the first time. Like I'd never really considered what those camera flash pictures were in the context of the narrative. Mm -hmm. And it's becomes clear that that's uh, the hitchhiker Mm -hmm. because the hitchhiker, when they pick him up, he has that camera, Mm -hmm. that really cool camera that he has like strapped around him. And he's showing them the pictures that he took of the things. That's him taking those pictures. And it, you know, is later on revealed that he's the one, uh, the, the, essentially the dad character of the family says like, you've been messing around in those graveyards again. So it's revealed that the hitchhiker is the guy who's exhuming these corpses.
2: Right. But it's not immediately clear. Like when, even when he's taking the photos in the van, you you don't think it. This is from having seen the movie
0: a hundred times. And I'm only just now really putting that together. Yeah. Um, And he's clearly the one who's taking these corpses and making
2: art. Yeah. He's a brilliant fan go.
0: It's a family of artists. Leatherface is an artist too. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and like most artists, they're controversial.
0: They're like the Coppola's. Yeah. Can you separate the art from the artist in this? <laughs> Leatherface is Coppola for sure. Oh, Francis Ford, that is. Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah. Hitchhiker. Not so, definitely not Sophia. Hitchhiker is Nick Cage. Mm-hmm. If only Nick Cage would cut himself. Mm-hmm. And I think Grandpa is probably Roman. He's a good collaborator, but then mm-hmm. when it comes time why are, to
2: Why are we disparaging the Coppola family? Oh,
0: no, I'm not. I'm, it's a family of artists. I'm oh, just comparing. Oh, I got it. I'm You're comparing just comparing yeah.
2: a, a prolific. You family could also of say artists. they're
0: like the Sheens. Mm hmm. And uh, Martin. Martin is the d- dad character mm-hmm. who's like, "Stop messing around the graveyard." Yeah, has a
2: hard time. He doesn't like getting his hands dirty. Exactly. Yeah, like Charlie, Charlie is clearly the hitchhiker. Mm-hmm. He's willing to do the dirty work. And
0: Emilio is
2: just
3: he's the we're big face. fan. We're big fans of Emilio.
2: No, we, you know, we love, love the Sheens. We, we love all, all the man. Sheens. Imagine being in a theater, 1974. Mm-hmm. There really hasn't been anything like this. You know, maybe Night of the Living Dead. Uh, maybe you saw Last House on the Left. It's
0: easy to look at a movie like this that's like so iconic, so influential, and think of it kind of in a vacuum. You know, it's easy to think like this movie just came out of nowhere and had all this iconic aspects to it, and it changed the face of the horror world. But we both know that's not true. Movies are made because of trends. Movies are made because other movies that came before it were popular. In the late '60s, you had Night of the Living Dead, like you mentioned. You had Easy Rider. Mm-hmm. Which also was hugely influential and like changed the game of that. By 1972, you had Deliverance, which was a huge hit. And that was also about like city folk coming to the rural countryside and getting a bad day mm-hmm. with the locals. Uh Last House on the Left came out in 1972, which is West Craven. Also has a very significant chainsaw usage at the end of that movie. Um and a movie that came to my mind the first time I saw it, but I don't really hear referenced much with uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. There's a movie called Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things. Have you ever Mm -hmm. seen that? I have not. It's a Bob Clark movie. Bob Clark was a Canadian filmmaker who really is a Renaissance man. He did Black Christmas. I love that. Which is an amazing slasher film, and and a lot of people attribute it to starting the slasher genre and as holiday stuff. And so a lot of people say Halloween never would have been made had Black Christmas not come out first. It sort of paved the way. And it also does like point of view slasher stuff. So that's an amazing film. If people haven't seen that, they should definitely go check that out. Bob Clark also did Porky's, which was hugely influential on like the teen sex comedy in the 1980s. And then same guy who did Black Christmas and Porky's also did A Christmas Story, which is, it plays 24 hours a day on Christmas day mm-hmm. every single year. Yeah. So this one filmmaker, has gone from genre to genre, horror, teen sex, family Christmas movie, and essentially changed the game on all, all three genres. I went on a Bob Clark kick a few years ago once I sort of made the connection that he did all these great movies. Before he did Black Christmas, he did Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things. And I remember when I first watched this movie, I thought, this movie's giving me Texas Chainsaw Massacre vibes for a number of different reasons. That came out before? It came so- out in 1972. hmm It's about a theater group who travel out to this deserted graveyard in the middle of nowhere, and they, almost as like a lark, decide to exhume a body from the grave and perform like a a fake ritual on it, almost as like an acting exercise. Mm. And there's even uh, characters that come out in masks, and I remember one of the masks that the characters wears looks so much like Leatherface's mask. The only major difference between Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things and Texas Chainsaw Massacre is that Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things is a comedy.
1: Mm.
0: It's scary, and it's definitely trying to scare you a lot of times, but overall, the tone of the movie is much more broadly comedic, which leads me to my theory. My theory, and I don't have much basis for this, so I'm kind of going out on a limb here, but my theory is that I think there's a possibility that Toby Hooper and Kim Hinkle may have set out to make a more comedic film initially. But through the circumstances of filming it and how tough and how hard it was, I think they ended up with a much more serious product when they got into editing, well, he
2: even says in some of the behind the scenes I've looked at um, that most people don't recognize or appreciate the inherent comedy in the movie, and there is so much. There's of it. I so was, much. I was of
0: laughing my ass off. I, there was a lot of stuff. Movie. I actually,
2: so I I I watched it a couple times, and I noticed things on the second viewing I didn't notice on the first. For example, the scene where they pull up to the the gas station uh, mm-hmm. where the dad is there. There's no gas the barbecue place is like a window washer window washer the window did you notice the gag of the window washer starting to wash the car and stopping and starting three times no every time he walks away from from the van no so, yeah, the <laughs> it's uh, like, what is it? Uh, the the Jim, what's the actor's name? Jim Sedow. C- yeah, Cedow? Who plays
0: the dad. Who's actually his brother? He's actually meant to be a brother. I learned that from the commentary. He people he's, think he's a dad because he's he leather Leatherface's
2: like brother. He yeah, they're all brothers. So they're all brothers. They're all brothers. That's the intention. So Grandpa is Grandpa. We don't know who their dad is exactly. I think the character's name is Drayton. Does that what ring a bell? Drayton.
0: I thought his character is called the Old Man. There's Grandpa, mm-hmm. the Old Man. The hitchhiker and Leatherface in this movie. Now in part two, they're called the Sawyer family.
2: Interesting. So yeah, Drayton, Drayton Sawyer, I just briefly. Yeah, see,
0: that's who he becomes in part two. Okay, got it. But in the in he's just credited as old man in the credits. Let's call what do you want to call him? We can call him Drayton. Let's
2: call him Drayton. <laughs> uh so Drayton is basically telling them that he ain't got no gats. And so he walks away and then the win- the car washer walks away with him. Mm-hmm. And then he like comes back to the car and tells him something else. And the car washer starts again. Yeah. And he finishes and he leaves and the car washer leaves with him. And then he comes back one more time. And then the guy does one last <laughs> yeah. touch up on it. Which originally when I saw that scene, I didn't notice it. I thought it was very yeah, like, I didn't notice it. three uh slapsticky. Um I just thought the whole point of that scene was to to show. That the blood stain got left behind on the car. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like funny that he's washing the car, but he did not wash the blood off of it. I wondered, is is he in on on this? You know that he's like intentionally leaving the blood on the van. And an interesting
0: thing about that scene too, Drayton is actively telling the kids don't go to the house. Yeah, which I thought watching it, I was a little bit like he doesn't want them to go. Mm-hmm. He's actually trying to avoid. Which another thing that I noticed while watching this is like I just had a much. Easier time, kind of connecting with the slaughterhouse family, in terms of their predicament. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like they're kind of in a predicament here. Mm -hmm. I don't. They're not acting right. They're not behaving in the right way. But I don't think they are actively out there trying to kill people. They trust the kids. Trespassed on their property. Exactly. Leather. Leatherface. Every
2: time he murders, he's depicted as this serial killer who just has a lust for blood. Yes. And almost every single. Uh, kill in this movie he's like fumbling around and it like him. panicking yeah he gets he's really scared upset. He,
0: there's a scene where he literally has to sit and like decompress
2: yeah he he's checking the window he was like who else is here yeah. what where are all these kids coming from what is happening he's just trying to like you know get through the day yeah and three They're people in a row up. walk into his house what would you do if three people stumbled into your property obviously it murder, murder them you'd murder them kill
0: them all no yeah and and Drayton is very much trying to avoid that shit Mm -hmm. he's like if they go to that house it's going to be a fucking mess that I'm going to have to clean up so he tells them multiple times I don't think you guys want to go to your grandparents house multiple times just back out of here get out of here Yeah, that's usually reserved for a character that is not involved in the killers that's Mm -hmm. usually a a soothsayer who's like turn back now and I think it's very interesting that this movie gives it to one of the family members Right.
2: it's so hard to watch the movie with today's eyes and not judge the actions of the character by everything that we've seen right. horror ensembles do. The, the classic sort of, don't go in the house, like, turn turn around. Uh, what are you doing? Why are you going into that room? Why are you investigating that sound? All the things that we yell at people on the screen for doing, the, all the warnings are here it's for true. them, and they don't listen. They don't listen to Drayton. They don't listen to the old drunk. They, uh, they pick up the hitchhiker despite... Um, him looking creepy as, as Pam says,
0: the, the group's reactions to him actually feel very authentic to me and were making me laugh so much. Like they pick him up. They're instantly kind of getting a vibe off of him, but Franklin's trying to kind of go back and forth with this dude.
2: I felt like there was a weak link in the group to be honest. Please don't say Franklin. Kirk.
0: Okay. Yeah.
2: I thought his reactions of the group were the, were the least authentic to me where he's, he's nervous. He's a little bit of like a meathead. Yeah, I don't know. He he was an interesting character type. Like he he's presented like the hunk, mm-hmm. you know, the leading the leading man. Um, and he was anything but. Like I mean, from everything from his cowardice right in the van to him being the first one to get yep. killed, I thought mm-hmm. was really interesting and surprising. He got Drew Barrymore before Drew Barrymore and Scream was a thing. And you
0: they know? do it. He, he he gets offed like right after he has this big stumble. Too like he trips and that, fumbles let, we got to, we'll we'll to get we'll get to the stumble
2: to i have a, the stumble is a conversation in and of itself yeah. but the the going back to the van yes the van. i love the scene i thought it was funny i thought kirk uh i was i was judging his performance a little bit you know it didn't yeah. feel uh very authentic That's to me it's interesting
0: you were focused on kirk because kirk almost blended into the background to me mm. like it, i was in these opening scenes i'm really focused on franklin and i'm getting a little bit more Sally in there mm-hmm. too, but Franklin to me is kind of like taking the lead on character mm-hmm. in that opening stuff, um, and he's funny. He's funny when he grow, when he rolls down the hill and he like, it's so funny. He's peeing in the bucket, mm-hmm. and then a semi truck semi-truck drives by too fast. Drives by too fast. Knocks his. I guess wheelchair over. him, and like he starts rolling down the hill. And there's mm-hmm. a really funny shot where he chucks the bucket, mm-hmm. like the can, over his head. Yeah, that. I think it either could have been two things. It either could have just been like, you know, Toby Hooper said, Hey, when you go down the hill, throw the bucket over your head Mm -hmm. and that's just him doing it. But it comes off as like, I don't want to get this piss on me. So he like throws it as hard as he can. One other thing. Great. I think really smart, subtle exposition going on in that scene too. Before they pick up the hitchhiker, they drive past the slaughterhouse and uh, Franklin starts saying how they kill them. And he explains that they used to kill these things with a hammer, mm-hmm. but now they have this gun that goes boom, boom,
3: boom, mm-hmm. boom, boom,
0: mm-hmm. boom, which is laying the groundwork, not only foreshadowing that that's going to happen to them, right. but it's also it's giving us a little bit of context that like these people who worked at the slaughterhouse are essentially losing their jobs because of technology, because the times have changed and they're no longer killing the animals with hammers anymore they're using these yeah, guns it's putting people on a job and in hitchhiker even says it when he gets in the thing he's like that gun's no good the hammer's better mm-hmm. and i thought that's just really smart writing to put that in there because it feels like it's supposed to just be creepy and it feels like franklin's just grossing everybody out but we're actually getting kind of crucial information in in order to understand why the family is why they are
2: well not only that there's a lot to me what I unpack when I watch that scene there's a lot of conversations happening about meat consumption and eating meat or whatever where I was like you know I I got to give credit to uh, a, an ex who uh pointed this out the uh, last time I watched it that there's like a might be a vegetarian theme going on here where you have characters who are who say things like um, I like meat, don't talk about this, right? Like they don't want to know the reality of how the meat is, is processed mm-hmm. um, because it's too disturbing and might impact their desire to eat. And the the parallel between the massacre of or the slaughter of animals in this like farming system versus the way that they are slaughtered in this movie, I thought was like, oh, that's an interesting perspective is I don't know if Toby Hooper's vegetarian or not, but to watch the movie as like a vegetarian film is kind of like another experience to watch uh, with that lens.
0: Uh, Let's take a quick break and we will be right And welcome back to Cinema Possessed Pod. We're talking the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So the group are on their way to go to check out their Sally's grandparents' house. It's fully overgrown. I have to admit that I got like a little bit of nostalgia when they were going through those houses because my grandma lived on a farm like that. And right next to her house was her grandmother. So my great grandmother lived right next to her. Where was this? This was in Harrison, Arkansas. Mm. Um big farmland everything was overgrown and grassy like that it was basically like a dead farm Mm -hmm. um and i used to go there a lot as a kid and i fucking loved it it was so fun to to go around and and like my mima's house was basically just like sally's house it wasn't Mm -hmm. quite as dilapidated Mm -hmm. but it was old and there was you know, bones uh, everywhere, maybe mm-hmm. a little less bones, but it wasn't completely free of bones. It mm-hmm. was certain start- there was taxidermy stuff. It was absolutely the kind of place where you look up in the corner and you saw like a little family of granddaddy long legs. Mm-hmm. Now, that was kind of funny to me the when the sound effect, of it's the- gross looking and it's creepy. But if anybody who knows granddaddy long legs, those are like the nicest spiders yeah. ever. They, their mouths aren't even big enough to bite, no, they're, they're, they're the harmless, yes. they're sweet, but they really try to milk a scary ass moment out of that. The sound design in that whole sequence, I think, is really cool. Mm-hmm. Every time they see something weird, the the atmosphere introduces a new sound. It's mm-hmm. very Pindareck-y. It sounds like The Shining. It's very clickety clackety, and it's like, tick, 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 and it's effective. It's cool. Mm. It it sounds awesome. Yeah, it's an experimental horror score, mm-hmm. and uh, I think that that kind of continues throughout all the movie. And they start to introduce those like extreme angles in this sequence as they're going around the house this is when you start to really get the low angles and the high angles and they're like he's Hooper's getting experimental here i also want to mention that this movie is raw and as rugged as it seems to be is a sticks and dolly movie there's mm-hmm. more dolly shots i think than there are even like handheld shots. do you
2: know my favorite been. dolly
0: shot in the movie i'm gonna guess that it's the one that goes under the I love it. Uh, yeah, I love it too. I mean, that's let's just talk about Kirk's death because mm-hmm. there's a real one two punch that happens. You get Kirk's death scene and then it immediately goes to that iconic Dolly shot. And at that point, you're like, this is a fucking movie, right? Yeah,
2: here. it's it's um, that the Kirk death scene does something really special, I think, with blocking, with editing. Um, it's surprising. And it does a little thing right before he dies that I think completely changes the, the kill and makes it one of the most memorable death scenes in a movie. His trip, his fumble. Yes. He's, he, you reveal, he enters the house, you reveal that, dark, that red room. So you, you see a splash of red, you know something bad. And there's a skulls there's on skulls the wall. There's skulls everywhere. Then that, he goes up to that ramp and he trips on the ramp. Yes, and as he regains his composure, he sees Leatherface, and a hammer crashing down on his skull. Mm-hmm. I mean, what? It, what did you? How did that? Did it surprise you? Was it exactly how you remembered?
0: It's always a. It's. It doesn't surprise me anymore. But it's. It's a masterclass in just like. Mm -hmm. Editing, that's the sequence that's Mm -hmm. in the bonus features that shows you all the footage. That was really interesting to watch because there's like a full-blown POV shot Mm. where the camera is Kirk. You're walking through the doorway and then the camera literally trips too. So you see the fall down Mm. and then you go up Leatherface, and as you're going up, the camera does the zoom. And that's the only part that's actually used in the cut, is when he raises the mallet, Mm -hmm. there's like a very quick zoom in on him, and that's part of the point of view shot that was much longer and was really going through, and smart move not to use it. I'm glad they didn't use it. But they got that awesome raise up, and it looks fucking great. I I mean, that's like, that's the introduction to his to Leatherface's face.
2: Yeah, did it mention, did it show the script that it was scripted that he trips or do you think that was something that's a good question that
0: one didn't have the script inserts the Mm. script inserts were in the deleted or alternate scenes
2: i think in the hands of a lesser director it would have been a character walking into a creepy space someone pops out it's a startling sound and then they're killed
0: my guess is it was Probably scripted and intentional because Jerry trips on it later on in the movie. Mm-hmm. He doesn't do as big of a trip, but he stumbles and he looks down and he could have easily been killed by Leatherface in the exact same way. Because yeah. it's as he's walking through the door, he's looking down at his feet.
2: That goes that goes back to my my uh thoughts around the, the vegetarian sub subtext of the movie. And it feels like the way that these characters are funneling into this house right. and funneling into their deaths is a is a lot like cattle's going to their slaughter Dude. even that something about that ramp feels like something a cattle a cow would go yes. up you know on the ramp right before it's uh popped in the head
0: that's very astute yeah i think and i think that's totally intentional i mean everything franklin says in the van about the cattle and the way they killed them with the hammers and stuff it's completely foreshadowing mm-hmm. what's going to happen putting to
2: pam in the in the freezer too
0: until sally leatherface is not chasing anybody he's just being f- fed on a conveyor belt with all of his victims. They're all basically crossing through the same doorways and he's killing them one by one mm-hmm. and you know, dealing with them as he would a pig or a cow. He's, mm-hmm. just, he's hanging them up. That's he's he sawing them into pieces. Yeah. Um, have to give a shout out to Robert A. Burns, who was the art director on he's this. In,
2: uh, uh, he's the unsung star of the. I movie. I mean, there's
0: another good special feature on there that isn't listed on the back of the box. Is just a um, a walkthrough. They somebody took a video camera on the you know on the cruise, probably Burns himself, who shot it, and just walking through room to room and just sh- filming every bit of the production mm-hmm. design, so you really get to get a close, detailed look at everything he did. There's so much that isn't even featured in the movie, mm-hmm. and it's incredible. It's it's honestly, it's stunning to watch in the day and age in which we're so reliant on the internet. I can't tell you how many times we've worked with somebody and the props in this production design you get are either coming from a prop house or they're coming from the internet. No one has from- the
2: time or the budget to Exactly, to make but back then scratch. they didn't
0: have those. At- so like the way that, the fact that he was able to fill this entire house with all of this shit, that he didn't just find it and put it up, he found these things and then built stuff because what you really see, you see it in the movie, but what you really see in this special feature is that everything is modified. He didn't just find a taxidermied squirrel and put it on there. He found the taxidermied squirrel, uh, installed a light bulb in its head, put a cord out its ass, Plugged it in, made it real, and then attached it to grandma's chair like He is a performer.
2: He is putting he is acting. He's putting himself in the shoes of the family and thinking like they do in order to find the inspiration to make his He's critical
0: objects. too. I saw an interview where he was critical of Tom Savini's yes, work. Yes, the mask.
2: He was like you could the see the Tom Savini in the yes, mask. He
0: was like Leatherface didn't make that mask. Exactly. Tom Savini made the mask. And I thought that was a brilliant. It's an interesting point, point for yeah. sure. And like Obviously, the the lore is that this whole story is inspired by Ed Gein. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ed Gein was a notorious serial killer in Wisconsin, I believe, um, who lived with his mother, who I think had dementia. His mother died, and apparently he went sort of, Berserk afterwards. I and, think
2: he was also suffering from dementia as well. Yeah, he couldn't cope with the passing of his mom, so he kept her. He was exhuming corpses as well. This
0: man did murder people, mm-hmm. he skinned them. He apparently wore their skin. He did also apparently make lampshades, furniture. And according to the commentary, Toby Hooper was not even aware that his name was Ed Gein when he wrote and made the film, but he was aware of the story because he grew up in Texas and his family would try to scare him as a little kid by telling him the stories of Ed Gein. Right. But they never actually said Ed Gein. Uh,
2: Wikipedia also uh, calls him the butcher of Plainfield or the Plainfield ghoul. Mm. So those could have been You don't hear ghoul no. often used but for serial No. But it's a appropriate title right. for this person.
0: But there was a lot of serial killers in Texas. Mm-hmm. And one thing I I read um the book Shock Value mm-hmm. recently which is a great book. I highly recommend it. And the reason why I hadn't read it was because I thought I knew everything about the making of stuff like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Halloween, Last House on the Left. You think you know everything there is to know. Yeah, it goes deep. But then you read that book and you realize, oh, there's actually a ton of stuff that either I had forgotten or I never knew. And um, one of the interesting things was that all those filmmakers of the generation, Wes Craven, Toby Hooper, John Carpenter, Dan O'Bannon, they're all were very inspired by that guy who climbed up into the clock tower at uh at the University of Texas mm-hmm. the sniper and sniped out people they were all very affected by that and all of them while they were in film school made short films about i think it's part of the reason why we have so many great horror directors that came out of this period the 70s um late 60s early 70s is because they really were, I think that was like a, a very prominent media um, attention on a killer, you know, and obviously Manson too. They're coming right off of Charles Manson. and Also
2: so, the Vietnam War.
0: And a very a definitely mm-hmm. the Vietnam War. The dolly shot that mm-hmm. comes from under the thing. It's your favorite dolly shot. I actually have another favorite dolly shot, but we'll get to it. A new favorite. That used to be my favorite dolly is shot. Is it
2: the, the push in on the car yes. at the gas station? Yes. We'll when get to
0: it. It's so cool. I love it. Um, But that shot is really cool. Kirk gets killed. Pam gets up and goes into the house right after he's been killed. And the camera does this really amazing thing where it pushes underneath the swing set Mm -hmm. and follows behind her as she approaches the house. And the house just gets bigger and larger in the frame. The colors are so amazing. Her red shorts, instantly iconic. I had always heard that the way they did that shot was that they didn't have enough dolly track to do the full move. So what they had to do was start the move push under the swing. And then as they were going, crew members were having to take apart the dolly from behind and run out and rebuild it in front of it in order to get the maximum length of the move.
2: That's unbelievable.
0: I'd always heard that. Gunnar Hansen brings it up in the commentary and says, didn't we have to do that for this shot? And it's funny because the cinematographer, Daniel Pearl is also on the commentary and he was like, no, we didn't have to do that for that. (laughs) <laughs> and, and Gunnar Hansen was like, really? I thought we had to do that. And he was like, we had to do it for some shots, but we didn't have to do it for this shot. Because he was like, the camera was so low mm. to go under the swing, we never would have been able to get people underneath yeah, the shot I, to build it. He was surprising. like, we did have to do it on some other shots, but like not on this shot specifically. But another cool story they told is that that shot was not boarded. It was not written. It was something they discovered on the day. It was something that they kind of got inspired in shooting. And the producer... Didn't know what they were doing. And he started to freak out because he was like, this isn't on the shot list. This isn't boarded. What are you guys doing? They they got into a huge knockdown drag out fight, basically being like, let us shoot this shot. And he was like, we have to move on. We're running out of time.
2: Classic producer.
0: Yeah. And they won. And thank God they won Mm -hmm. because it is by far the most talked about shot in the film. It's iconic. It's amazing. Back to my theory about it being a comedy or Mm -hmm. the intention was maybe to make it more broadly comedic is that Toby Hooper wanted this to be a PG movie
2: mm-hmm. he was ve- mm-hmm. he actually wanted to he called the mpa a, he and, yeah he you know. he
0: was dead set on not getting an R rating for this mm-hmm. which you watch this movie and you go what one why would he ever think he could but two why would he want to
2: well he also talks about his first movie eggshells as uh something that didn't do so well and he was like all right my next movie I gotta get into Hollywood I yes. think I think he had straight-up ambitions to get into Hollywood right. and wanted to make a movie in an established genre mm-hmm. that uh, that could play well. Yeah,
0: and so part of that was, like you said, he called the MPAA. Mm-hmm. He described the scenes that he was going to shoot and was basically like, how in the fuck am I going to get a PG out of this? And they were like, you probably not, but the best thing you can do is don't show blood. So one of the myths about this movie is mm-hmm. that it's actually bloodless, right. which I think is false. Uh, this movie is not so bloodless. Who says it's bloodless? Well, the... People are hyperbolic about it. People will say, well, you know, you actually don't see anything in the movie. I Yeah, that's... You think your brain tells you that you've seen things, but you don't actually see them, which is true in some cases, but this movie is f- fucked up. This is a fucked up movie. You see quite a bit. Now, people point to the, to the meat hook scene. They say you don't actually see the meat hook going into her back. That's true.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: You don't actually see blood dripping off of her. That's mm-hmm. also true. Yeah. But there is blood all over those walls. Mm -hmm. Blood or no blood, to see a a woman picked up and thrown onto a hook, whether you see insertion of hook into back or not, you're seeing her dangling there. She's screaming. There's blood all around her. That's a violent... That's still violence. Yeah. And so, like, this... There's a misconception that Texas Chainsaw is effective without being violent and I right. think that that's wrong. While, while Leatherface
2: is decapitating Kirk. Yeah, and then yeah. he goes
0: over and saws Kirk's head off.
2: Yeah, which you don't see, the the Technically you don't technically see. Technically you it. don't see. I do think I do think it is worth acknowledging There's that There's more yes, blood later on in the movie. There though. is more blood later on. There's a lot of disturbing imagery, a lot of disturbing concepts in the film, mm-hmm. but yes, they don't uh explicitly show uh, as much gore or blood uh, or impaling yes. or severing as the title would imply. I think right. that that is part of uh, the mythology of Texas Chainsaw. The marketing, the n- notoriety of it is what leads somebody like my dad to say this is too much. And yes, he sh- I should not have watched that as a child. It is too much. It is too much. Um, but it's, it's not what you think. I'll
0: say, too, the chainsaw work in this movie is incredible.
2: Mm, elaborate. That's,
0: well, that's coming from you and I have worked with the chainsaw before. Mm-hmm. It's hard. It's hard and it's scary mm-hmm. because, one, the way you work with the chainsaw when you're doing filmmaking is if you're doing a wide shot, you can take the chain out, but if you're doing any sort of close-ups, you've got to have a chain on there, so you've got to be careful because you're going to need to see that chain move. Mm-hmm. The stuff we were doing, we were close enough that we had to have the chain on there, and we had to run that chainsaw indoors, And the second you start spinning that saw, that room fills up with this toxic smell of gas. And I remember there was oil on the chains that was just spraying everybody. It was really intense and it was scary and you have to really treat it like the weapon that it can be. And this movie, I think they're working on a low budget. They're working really fast. And it doesn't feel like the way he waves the chainsaw around and uses it, they're they're getting it very close to people.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's a testament though to the to the brilliance behind the film. I think they just had no regard whatsoever for <laughs> that onset safety protocols. It could be true. And I think to a degree, when when the the short film that you're referring to where we use the chainsaw, I don't know if on a larger set we would even be allowed to do that. And I would hope and imagine that today there are other tools we can use that are specifically designed props if you need a chainsaw you rent this thing and it spins and it moves but it doesn't emit gas there's no carbon monoxide right um no risk of, of bodily harm or injury <laughs> um yeah. it's just not worth it for the shot you know especially like even a, a movie like texas chainsaw should be able to not have to use a real chainsaw. Well, I'm
0: already. giving them the benefit of the doubt that they took the precautions. There's other experiences Yeah, in the other movie.
2: people got hurt in other ways.
0: In other ways, but yeah. not with a chainsaw. So sure. my, my gut is, is that maybe they were smart about it. You can't
2: it. afford that PR. Yeah. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, two people injured by <laughs> chainsaw <laughs> on the set.
0: Franklin's dead. There's a ton of blood in that scene. Mm-hmm. And that was an interesting thing that I saw that um, the way they achieved that scene. Did mm-hmm. you see that?
2: Yeah, they had blood. Yeah, they had people off mouth.
0: camera with cups of fake blood, just pouring the, the blood in their mouths and then spitting it. Yeah, onto Gunner. Yeah, Hansen. you can
2: you can see it uh, shooting on Gunner. Yes, Hansen. it's so very it's very maybe is scene. it the bloodiest uh, moment? In yeah, the it's, movie?
0: I think it's the moment that has mm. the most blood, and there's quite a bit. And they they said that like he would you know, he would put the chainsaw into the stomach and they would spit. And then as he was rearing back, he would like really milk the rear back so that it would give them enough time to like mm-hmm. put more blood into their mouth, so that when he went yeah. back in, they could spit it out. I just thought that's fun. It's very old school yeah. style filmmaking. And,
2: and that begins, that begins like the final sequence of the movie of yes. like Sally nonstop screaming for 30 minutes straight.
0: And I we have to give props to Marilyn Burns. She's Good. She I, she's the star
2: of this movie, man. And
0: she's the the physicality of her performance is really impressive. She's mm-hmm. going hard, mm-hmm. and I really believe she's trying to survive. She's she is the smartest character I think in the film,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and I think Franklin is too. Franklin has annoying qualities, but Franklin that's a hot take. Franklin has the right idea. Franklin isn't comfortable being there. He doesn't want to leave the van. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to go looking for people. Mm-hmm. Everybody who dies is because they're going to go look for That's a low else. bar,
2: though. That's a very low bar. I'm
0: just saying, it's you know, his survival instincts are correct. Mm-hmm. And I think Sally's is too. And um, when in regards to her performance, you know, Marilyn Burns does not just run. She barrels mm-hmm. through these scenes, literally jumps out of two windows, which mm-hmm. I think more characters in horror movies should jump out of windows. Mm-hmm. If you're trapped in a situation, By any means necessary, get out of there. And when she jumps through those windows, I'm like cheering every time because it's the right fucking move to do. And um, even like when when she gets away from Leatherface and she goes back to the barbecue place, the way she barrels through that door so hard, I believe, Mm -hmm. the performance. And and when she finally like settles down, she's shaking and quivering. She's not
2: holding anything back. I don't even know how the camera is able to keep up with her. Right. You know? Apparently when she's running in the woods from Leatherface Gunnar Hansen was so fast that he had to intentionally slow himself down by chainsawing <laughs> yeah. branches. Little, I, little That
0: branches. was making me laugh so much. Yeah. It was like she could run right through them, but he yeah. was like, I gotta yeah. saw all these branches right. he off. stops, plants <laughs> his feet, revs the chainsaw, cuts a couple branches. His performance also kind of makes me feel like there was a comedic tone. Some He changes actually scene per scene. Like the first time you meet Leatherface, he's squealing like a pig. Mm-hmm. Which is very creepy.
2: Yeah. It's the most to me, that's like the most scary version. Very of much so. Game.
0: And then when like when he starts to interact with, you know, his brothers, he starts kind of talking like a Muppet. You know, he's like, Yeah. I mean, it makes me wonder if he was like, Am I supposed to play this kind of funny? Or am I, you know, how scary he is was, funny and how funny is scary?
2: I think they were going for like a childlike quality. It seemed from what I've seen, the director and him did have conversations. Toby Hooper was very involved in his performance. Gunnar Hansen was doing some research on his own too, which is questionable. Um, but yes, he was trying to embody uh, a very simple, yes. childlike performance. That's what, that's what. That's what makes Leatherface stand out as an iconic villain to me. I think contrary to what you perceive Leatherface to be in the media. But before I saw the movie, I was expecting more of a Michael or a Jason. No, he's not. He's nothing evil. He's really
0: not evil. He's confused. He's scared. And you know, if you consider that all this man knows is slaughter. Because that's really all he's been trained to do. And he doesn't really have any other social life. Other than I don't than, think like, he went to school. Again, he's an artist. He is an artist. he's he's he is finding ways mm-hmm. to make art with his mm-hmm. mask.
2: Like Tarantino. Didn't go to film school. Still making good exactly. good movies. You get the sense that if he was shown some love or somebody invested in him, there, he has He could have potential. had another path. Yeah. The,
0: the, the scene in which Sally goes into the barbecue. She realizes that the barbecue guy is part of the family. He kidnaps her. He puts her in the truck. That's my favorite shot in the movie. Mm-hmm. It's so filled with tension, yet it's so fucking cool looking. It like the camera starts outside of the truck. It does this really fast push in, goes through the truck window as he loads her body in. He closes the door. The camera pulls out again, waits for him to come back around. He gets into the driver's seat and then does like a slow push in back to a close up. The way that scene is lit, just that Push and pull back of the Dolly movement.
2: Well, that's also the con- that scene too has the comedy and the subtext too. It's like him he he, he was like I uh, almost left the lights on. You know, like yeah. the cost of electricity these days is enough to put <laughs> yes. a man out of business. It's just like these I, are
0: fun little details yeah. that make the world feel real too. Right. That poor man's process of that whole sequence is really cool when he starts driving. And for those who don't know what I'm talking about, poor man's process is when you're shooting a driving scene, but you're not actually driving. You're faking it. You're moving the lights across the people. You're filling in the background or something. You're making it look like they're actually driving in a space when you're just sitting on a stage. They were clearly doing that in the scene where he's driving back to the house at night. And I appreciate that they don't even try to do anything with the background. They just allow the nighttime background through the windows to just be Pitch black, Mm -hmm. and they do all the work by shaking the camera, shaking the car, and moving lights across his face, and it looks fucking great. And I would rather more films do that than like put a green screen behind and try to put details in the background or even do rear projection because a lot of times that pulls your attention away. There's something nice about it just being black in the background because a lot of times when you're driving at night, if you were to take a camera and film, a car inside of a car driving at night and you lit the people on the inside, you're probably not going to be able to see the background right. moving behind you. And so sometimes it's better to do that.
2: The, the way that he beats Sally with the, with broom. the broom is very challenging. It's very, as again, there, there's no blood. Mm-hmm. You just see him hitting her. You hear the sounds. It's weirdly disturbing. It's very disturbing. Um, and you get the, you get the sense from some of the, he's treating her like an animal. Yeah. And I believe from some of the behind the scenes stuff I watched, some of those some of those hits were real. Like Toby Hooper was yeah. asking him to, like, actually hit her because everything he was doing looked too fake. Like you're pulling the punches. Yeah. And at a certain point, uh, Sally was just like, I just get it over
0: with. I'm I'm tired. Just hit me. Which there's a more egregious version of that that comes even later. Yeah. So let's get to the dinner scene. Mm hmm. So this dinner scene is harrowing and it sounds like it was even more harrowing to shoot apparently they were already working on like 16 hour days every day before this but from what I hear about this sequence is that because every actor was involved and grandpa is involved in this scene and grandpa was done by a eighteen year old in full prosthetic makeup I've heard some varying accounts of this story, but one of them is that they only had enough makeup to do it once. Another one is that the guy, once he got into the makeup, was like, I'm not fucking doing this again. So we have to get this entire scene tonight because I'm not getting back into this makeup. And another account that I heard was that uh, the the actor who plays the old man, it was his last day of filming. Right. Yeah. And they needed to just get the whole thing. So what ended up occurring was they had like a 23 hour shoot day. I heard Where they 26. Sh- 26. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Again, different people yeah. say different numbers. Right. Either way, it sounds like it was a long ass fucking day and they had to shoot this entire and it's a it's not a short sequence. That's like a probably a 10 minute sequence where they're at the dinner table. And there's a lot of shots in it. It's not just cutting to the same four or five shots. There's high angles, low angles, inserts. There's all sorts of... It's a very well-crafted... It it feels like they storyboarded it to to an extent.
2: With with real animal carcasses everywhere. Texas heat, 100 degrees.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Smells terrible. They weren't allowing anybody to wash their wardrobes because they couldn't afford continuity errors and so every day they were having to put on the same wardrobe that they've been wearing for the last i think it was a 32 day shoot and so 32 days of sweat, stink, fake blood, real blood cuz a lot of this was using animal blood too. Everybody smelled bad and now they're in this room that they it's supposed to look like nighttime but they had to shoot it throughout the day so they have all the the windows blocked off. There's mm-hmm. no airflow. Yeah. Um nightmare total
2: nightmare total nightmare i i i would not want to uh do that for anything anything oh i
0: mean this is this is the kind of stuff you only do when you're a college yeah straight out of college making your first film in the 70s in the 70s yeah
2: they talk. Marilyn burns describes somebody picking up a rag from the floor and using that as a Prop to stuff in her, into her mouth. Mouth. I mean, I
0: when when he stuffs the rag into her mouth in the in the barbecue scene, I had a visceral reaction. Yeah, it's I disgusting. have a weird thing. It's with, like
2: it's like there's real dirt on it. Right.
0: I already have a thing with cloth and mm-hmm. touching my tongue. It already makes me. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, you don't like popsicle sticks. I don't like.
0: <laughs> I don't like paper. Mm-hmm. I don't like wood. I can't use like wooden. Forks and spoons, you know, like the more eco-friendly. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, it's got to be plastic if we're going, mm-hmm. if we're if we're doing that. Yeah, and so the rag already gave me the shivers, and yeah, to to know that they just picked it up off the fucking floor. Yeah. That's terrible. That's yeah. Cruel. So that's th- cruel. there's a, there's another aspect of this scene that is that is cruel, and that's they bring in Grandpa. Grandpa, I guess, likes to drink blood. And so their thing is, is they're going to pull Grandpa over. They're going to give him a little taste of blood and get him jazzed up to, I guess, kill her. They don't say that they're going to eat her, right? No. There's no really... The cannibalism stuff of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre comes in later movies. This yeah. one...
2: It's implied. It's implied in this movie. I mean, you you wonder what the meat is, but nobody really like, exactly. talks about but it. But he does thing. drink her blood. Yes. So,
0: so there's a moment where they cut her finger and feed the blood to Grandpa. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the behind the scenes, they could not get the blood gag on the knife to work. They did take after take after take, and no blood was coming out. And so finally... In their delirium, in Gunnar Hansen's delirium, he just cut her finger. Did you read that? No. Yeah. And they've told the story multiple times, so it's definitely a thing. And it's you can tell that like back in the 80s, they told the story as a funny story. Now the narrative has changed a little bit and it's like. They're realizing how sort of twisted that was, but the shot that's in the movie is her finger actually being sliced. That blood that comes out is her real blood, and they do stick it in that actor's mouth, and he does drink it. I don't like this. It's not good. It's not good. It's not what you want. It's bad. No. It's abusive. Now, they all chalk it up to, like, we are at our... 21 of a 26 hour yeah, night what, no matter we're what, going delirious, no
2: matter what your budget is Budget not having the money is not an excuse for abusive It's not set it's, practices. The, it's
0: the behavior of people who who haven't learned that You have to value human life on a film set
2: well back 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 then and honestly even today the mentality on a movie set especially from a director mm-hmm. is by any means necessary Get the shot by any means necessary and do whatever you have to do to get the performance that you want from your actors, even if it means psychologically tormenting them. Or physically. Or physically. William Freakin has
0: a story about slapping a priest in the face on The Exorcist. Yeah. I said, do you love me? Do you trust me? And I smacked him across the face. Yeah. Action. Yeah.
2: He's probably (laughs) proud of
0: it. I think they used to be proud of the fact that they cut her finger.
2: Look, I think you you have limited time on set. You have limited money. You have a dream. You want to make this thing is going to probably live, you know, for a long time, at least 100 years. You, you want it to be good. I get that. But take the challenge to try to find a way to get what you want yes. with what you have without hurting anyone or physically or mentally yeah. in the process.
0: Yeah, you can't you can't let yourself get to that point where you're valuing the art over the humans who are helping you make the art
2: right you can't do it without them
0: all that being said it's a it's an immaculate sequence I think it's it's completely effective I love that the climax of this movie is this surreal it's not like it's not a climax of extreme bloodshed it's a climax of insanity like they force her to become as insane as they are, and it you know for it to all be about like there's a really slow build up to it. Like there's extreme close ups of her eyeball, and the sound design is going insane, and everybody is just the the characters are arguing with each other. That's the other interesting thing about the old man is like he's he explains in that scene like I can't kill. Yeah, he's like I'm a cook. His and again family of artists. Mm -hmm. His artistry is that he's a chef. He's a cook. Yeah. He can't do the slaughtering. And he says something like, it must be done, but I just can't do it. Anytime you have duality
2: in a villain and there, it's not, it's, it's not just, I'm a killer. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a terrible person. There's complexity. Yeah. And And again,
0: he didn't, he didn't want any of this. He's, Fucking pissed that this is happening. Right when he comes into the house and he realizes that Leatherface saw the door, ruined the door. He keep I, he keeps mentioning it. You ruined the fucking door. Doors are
2: expensive. He
0: cares about his home.
2: But you're going you're gonna to get a handyman to come out here and and fix that door. Like no one, the, the he doesn't want that kind of attention. No. He, he's going to be stuck fixing the door himself.
0: And Grandpa apparently was the best slaughterer. Mm-hmm. They say, but he sucks now. Sucks. And that's a funny scene. I think on paper that scene. Could have been written to be more comedic, to be more mm-hmm. laughable. But again,
2: it's it's the brilliance of the premise that it's both funny and disturbing yes. at the same time. It is, uh, it is uncomfortable to watch. I tell what was comedic and in a stupid way was the way Grandpa does a little dance in his chair when he drinks when the, he blood. the blood. He's like yeah. ooh, and he's like moving his arms exactly. and his legs, and I'm like. Oh, God, I why? think that is
0: the biggest implication that they are cannibals, even mm-hmm. though it doesn't ever outright say that they are. Yeah, it wakes him up. And then she does exactly what she should do. The second she gets a chance, she jumps out that fucking window again. We get two window jumps. Mm-hmm. I have to say, too, there's only one stunt person credited in the credits, and it is a woman by the name of Mary Church. It's the mm-hmm. only stunt person credited in the film. I thought that but was she.
2: She did her own stunt? or she? I mean, I know some aspect of the window jump was was real, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, from what I heard, she they had the stunt person- Go
2: out the window. Yeah,
0: fly through the mm-hmm. glass.
2: But then they actually- she, But then they
0: had Marilyn jump from, right. like, do the landing on the ground. Yeah, she which twisted her ankle. Yeah, she was, an- yeah, she was like, honestly, I would have rather jumped through the fucking glass. Yeah. Because they made me jump higher Right. in order to get me to land on the ground, yeah. and I fucked up my ankle. <laughs> Again,
2: unnecessary. Totally unnecessary. Um, but it was cut. That, that sequence was, the window jump sequence was cut. Really well.
0: And then it goes into I think the the whole ending of it is also masterfully Absurd. done. Absurd. It's very scary. It's funny, but the chase element of it is really good. Mm-hmm. And then the movie just ends. Mm-hmm. Like it ends Well, the,
2: the, the chainsaw dance.
0: The dance, yes. It ends with a great mm-hmm. sunset. And oh, I never thought of this. The movie's book ended. Mm-hmm. You get that maybe it's sunrise at the beginning of the movie with that corpse. Mm-hmm. And then you get a sunset at the end with Leatherface dancing. Maybe that's the most iconic shot of the movie. Is when the yeah, faces dance. It might be, but it's incredible. It's beautiful. It ends the movie on an artistic note.
2: Yeah, it makes you think. Like, what what is going through his head in that moment when he's dancing? Is I mean, he's not happy. He they got no, away. He's mad. Or is I mean, is is he happy they got away? Is he like a victim of his own sort of pathology? And he was like, Oh, oh that's interesting. You know, I didn't have to kill.
0: That's interesting beautiful.
2: I'm hearing that you like the movie.
0: I think the movie still works great, but Mm -hmm. let's take a quick break. We'll come back and finish our thoughts. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, And we're back, and we are joined here by the wonderfully talented actor, director, writer, and my wife. Oh, God. Corey Clifford. Hello. And um, we thought we'd bring her on and see, uh, as somebody who doesn't have like the nostalgic feelings that maybe Justin and I have about this film, somebody who is coming to it with fresh eyes, what did she feel about it? Corey, did you have a relationship with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Uh,
1: and and if so, what was it? This is my first time ever seeing this movie. Um, I've seen the remake with the classic actress Jessica Biel before. Um, so, and I guess I had thought that that movie was like a shot for shot remake for some reason. So I was like expecting that stuff right. in this. Quite um,
0: quite different. We watched it over the pandemic. And- yeah. We turned it off, actually. We didn't even... Oh,
1: no, we made no, it through it, but we did it. not like it. We finished, No. We had a bad time. We did not like
0: it. But it's very different.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, so I have no nostalgia. I mean, I didn't really watch horror movies until we started dating. Like, I mean, I saw things like Blair Witch and The Ring, but nothing, uh, no history of horror movies so um, yeah no nostalgia to this movie for me um, I feel bad because you guys love this movie and I i mean I guess my biggest thing is like I get why this movie is beloved like I can see that but it, and I'm glad to have watched it but it is zero watchability for me mm. um, it was gross it felt like a stuff film for sure uh, I also like the funniest thing to me is I guess like my biggest hot take of this movie is that Franklin rules and he's the best character. And <laughs> I think I don't get why people hate yeah, him. Yeah. So I think Franklin
0: is widely regarded as one of the most annoying characters in horror. I, first time I saw this movie, I hated Franklin too. And going-
1: why? Like I really don't get Honestly,
0: it. I don't even understand because going into this now, watching it with you- not only was he by far the funniest character, and I thought genuinely Hilarious. funny. He's annoying, but not really. But not I, more I than any of those other but characters.
1: Schedule. The other characters are so
2: annoying. Well, they're I mean, he he has some annoying behavior, and when he's like in the house, and he's like at them. ditched oh, yeah, him. He's not just, he's not just him, going.
3: But,
0: he's yeah.
3: going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Franklin! It's gonna be a
1: fun trip. <laughs>
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: Because they were assholes. It's, These yes, are asshole teenagers annoying. who ditched him.
2: It's annoying, but I recognize that he is in the right. They, yes, thank you. They should be he should not be wheeling himself <laughs> around oh, in an horrible. abandoned house. Yeah. Like
0: much like Leatherface, you can't help but feel some sympathy for the guy. Yeah. He's the only one engaging with the hitchhiker. Yeah. And he's he's the only
1: one trying to make that a comfortable conversation. Franklin. Speaking of the hitchhiker, the only thing I could think of the whole time is that he looks exactly like James Franco. Yes. Did you mm. notice that? He does
0: look like a Franco brother,
1: a less problematic Franco, a less problematic yeah. <laughs> James yeah. Franco, but a character that James Franco you would kill to play. Like yeah. it just, it felt like him and Freaks and Geeks. Missed opportunity
0: for them not to cast Franco in the in the remake. Well, he probably didn't want to play himself. Who he reminds me of? Remember at the end of Buffalo '66, mm-hmm. when Vincent Gallo. <laughs> Everything goes into, like, a freeze frame, but he's doing this contorted thing with his face where he's, like, moving his, and he looks just like the hitchhiker in cool that. Cool nerd detail. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, extreme. Also, this is not a visual medium anymore. <laughs> I know, I, I spent,
0: like, five minutes trying to do the face.
1: Yeah. Um, some other just notes I have on here. Franklin also has incredible eyebrows. Oh. Um, love. He has really great eyebrows. I, I wrote that as Never a
0: would have considered his eyebrows. What about Sally? Uh, do, do you see any sort of uh, brother-sister connection between the two?
1: No, I didn't. Did it not remind you in any way of your own connection well, to your Well, yes. Maybe, maybe that's also wow. why I feel bad about Franklin because I'm like, oh, I hope I wasn't mean to my little brother like that, but I probably was. Yes. Yeah. But Leatherface, I also feel kind of bad for like the whole time I was like, these guys kids are assholes yeah. and I think it is true like this movie you were talking about this earlier like you know was an early 70s horror movie that I'm basing this movie after seeing so many movies that are probably based on this movie of like the cliches of going into the house and things like that so trying to take that away but they were all assholes deserve what was coming I was on Motherface's side and Franklin's side <laughs> um <laughs> It's kind of how I felt. I will say, watching it in the presence of you,
0: you seem to be having a pretty good time watching the
1: movie. I, I did. I didn't not like the movie, but it is not a movie that was fun sure. in the way... Like, there were funny moments and stuff like that, but it's, it's gross, and it's <laughs> not like... Here's, here's something that I like in horror movies that this did not have is a little bit of romance, a little bit of yeah. sexiness. I'm here for that in horror movies. And this doesn't have that. Not at all. Like I thought, I was like, oh, are we going to get like some like little sex scene down by the river? There was no river. There was no sex scene. There's no kissing, nothing. No. I don't know. That's what I kind of am wanting in a horror movie. I was did looking for a romance. Did you find it scary? I think there's was like one pop out scare that like actually frightened me. Franklin's death. Yes. Yeah. 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 That got me. Um, yeah. It didn't. It didn't scare me. And I'm easily scared in mm-hmm. movies. But it kind of just grossed me out more than scared me. Um, yeah. Other other things. I thought the bone furniture was cool. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. The wallpaper of the house is rad, and I want it for my house. Mm-hmm. Loved that it was an hour and twenty three minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, beautiful time for that. a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Honestly, moves. movie in general, I'm like, yeah. yes, in tight, and out. No tight. movie
2: should be more than an hour and a half.
1: <laughs> do you have any? Do you? Have Jack, any- Jack gets so mad at me because my thing when he wants me to watch some old horror movie that I'm like, ugh, I don't want to. I'm like, how long is it? And if he will not tell me the time, I'm like, no, go fuck yourself. How long is this movie? Yeah. It was 9.30 at night the other night, and he was like, let's watch The Assassination of Jesse James. It's too late. I was like, 9.30 30 at night, night, watch The Assassination of Jesse James? You start that at breakfast. Thank you. The only reason yeah. I was able to watch Martin Scorsese's, what was the big the Netflix? The Irishman. Movie, the Irishman. I told him, I was like, you need to start this movie at noon on a Sunday. Yeah. And I I really liked I it because of that.
0: I does um does the vintage 70s quality of it pro or
1: con for you is it a feature or a bug i wish i could say pro because i feel like that would be the cooler answer but con. (laughs) well also because well i asked you i was like when the when i when it first started playing i was like were they trying to kind of like how blair witch did when it came out was i was like were they yeah. trying to make people think that this was like a documentary? Um, and maybe if it would have, the answer would have been yes, I would have been more into it. But also, I mean, it's was obviously not made for a lot of money and. Right. That's cool. I like to see, like, oh, how did they do it? Yeah.
2: I think we cannot fully appreciate or understand what it would have been like to see this movie for the first time. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Well, because it made the... I just kept thinking of Blair Witch the whole Mm -hmm. time of how it, to me, correlated those two in the way of, like, that was the... Was Blair Witch the first ever found footage movie, or no, for us at it, least. It wasn't
0: the first to, to to attempt to do that, but it was by far, you know, broke the mold. And yeah, the yeah and that
1: horrified me when I saw it yeah. um, the first time. So I can imagine it would be something similar. I mean, the first images... Of Jack, again, made us re-watch those. He had to get the aspect ratio of the movie completely right.
0: Sometimes these DVDs are not made in the era where there were widescreen TVs, and so they're not formatted to it. And so automatically your TV will stretch the image if you're watching an old DVD. So I realized that was happening. It took me a minute to figure out what the right aspect ratio settings were. And then I was like, we have to rewind. We've only been watching the movie for two minutes. Sure,
1: sure, sure. But I had to look at those images multiple times, and those were the scariest images.
2: Yeah, well, imagine that. In a theater yes. in 1974, having never seen anything like this before, like yeah. I can imagine with all the the people who you know you hear walking out of movies at the Cannes Film Festival and barfing and mm-hmm. exorcist wheeling away on s- stretchers, you got to wonder what the vibe was, you know, in, in that those early few minutes of the movie. Did anybody w- walk out?
1: Well, my other favorite thing was the astrology girl. Pam. That was Pam. Pam. Okay, Pam. Um she, I loved her character. I thought she was so fun and I absolutely loved that she was reading everybody's astrology in the van the whole time because that felt very today. I mean, maybe people have always been obsessed with astrology, but I do feel like in the past couple yeah. years it's blown up. It's come back. Um, and I just thought that was really funny because every road trip we've ever gone on, we've been in that scenario. We've so been in time. that scenario. Like my best friend, Marianne, who friend of the pod and of all of us, um, every time we're on a car trip, we'll pull up everybody's astrology yes. and read it. And it felt, um, it just felt fun and nice and like a, a real person thing.
0: Yeah. It it was again, another aspect of the movie that I, forgotten was in there and the second it was happening i was like this is f- funny For and it the was same just reason. so funny
1: when she was like reading everybody she's like okay wait what are you oh you're an aries or whatever and she was like oh, today it says that you're gonna come across a yes. really weird person and it like just fit every person and it really which,
0: bothers franklin because she's te- she's reading franklin's horoscope yeah again
1: franklin gets it and he rules
2: there's a an easter egg on the cover of the magazine There's a headline at the bottom. I had to freeze the frame to read it, but it says, Shocking results of food pollution, as like a headline of one of the articles in it. And I thought, given the scene we just watched talking about food Mm -hmm. and farming and slaughterhouses I, I was like this has to be intentional
1: it definitely I wrote that in my notes of like this movie makes me want to be vegan when mm. Franklin the only time I oh wanted to turn God, I know Franklin, what you're
2: gonna say when he was
1: eating the sausage <laughs> it was disgusting. out mouth that like kind of looked like a cigar and a piece of Benus. shit a it penis. was what? Looked like a penis. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> oh, it probably was. I guess that's what it was supposed to be. I mean, if eat. you
0: if you buy into the cannibal that they're making the mm-hmm. food out of people's corpses, it was yeah. so
1: gnarly.
2: It was disgusting. Also, yeah,
1: when we were watching this movie, before we watched the movie, Jack was like, Let's order like a fun meal. I was like, Okay, not thinking, haven't seen the movie. Right. Don't know. He orders barbecue. That's crazy. We eat a whole barbecue meal mm-hmm. and then we're watching this movie, and I felt sick that's to my stomach. That's sadistic. I think that's it was, sadistic. It was not yeah, conscious is
0: that, I think it was it was subconscious. And one I didn't of the things connect. we
1: had was like a Texas hot link sausage. It yes. like truly makes me want to gag.
0: And when Franklin yeah. was walking around with that in his mouth, I was like, that looks yeah. just like
2: he the trolled. He thing. trolled you. He
0: trolled me. Yeah. fast Would you dare watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2?
1: Would I dare watch the sequel? I mean. Oh, dare is probably the wrong word. Would you be
2: interested in watching this? <laughs> if Jack made you. Yeah, I mean, sure. You'd be open to it.
1: Yeah, I'd be open that to it.
0: That is also, by the way, back to my c- comedy theory. If you look at Texas Chainsaw Massacre
1: 2, that is an outright comedy.
2: Yeah. And so. It kind of does what Evil Dead 2 does. To well, that Evil makes Death. me
1: more interested in watching it because I think that's also when I say like the romance or like the sexy parts, which I do want in these horror movies, but also like the Nightmare on Elm Streets, there is like a fun, like comedy yes. element about it that like. That makes it rewatchable for me.
0: All right. Well, final thoughts. Justin, concerning this DVD that you have, that you own, are you going to keep it? Are you going to trash it? Or are you going to upgrade it?
2: Well, considering that the disc is broken, I'm definitely going to trash You're gonna it. you going to trash it. Um,
0: <laughs> By the way, what do you think of Steelbooks? Do they make any difference to you? Do you give a shit about Steelbooks?
2: I don't care about them. I don't I, even know if I particularly like them. I don't. It depends on the how the image is printed on the on the steel. Uh I don't like the spine, and I don't like this like glossy, shiny, faded cover. Um, It look it's dented. Doesn't look great when that's the thing. I
0: feel like steel books warp.
2: Yeah, Um, but I I do appreciate that more thought is put into this than the average. You know. Yeah. Packaging. More special. I think look, there there's a lot of questions to ask here. I, I do enjoy the movie. Mm-hmm. I appreciate a lot of aspects about it. I have I have reverence for it as something that has significantly shaped the genre and does a lot of artistic, interesting things with it. I think when you if you choose to look at the movie as a message on uh, uh, vegetarianism not just a slasher but something that captures the director's uh, philosophy about something from from that time point and it, it's saying something about industrialization food agriculture all of that the movie becomes way more interesting sure. to me that mm-hmm. it's not just a slaughter fest but it's uh it's got some it's got something behind it it's got meat on the bone it's you got meat it. on the bone Um, but at at the end of the day, I have to ask myself why, like, why do I like the movie? And, uh, like Corey said, it, it is hard to watch. It's not particularly fun, um, to watch a character go through that kind of agony again and again and again. So I think the best time to appreciate the movie is when you haven't seen it in a long time and you get to revisit it like, like I did. Second viewing I had uh within a span of one week was more challenging to get through it um and then when you factor in all the behind the scenes abusive qualities on set it becomes a tough pill to for, swallow. Sure, for sure um i think the biggest issue for me is not only that they went through all of that pain and suffering to make the art but that they weren't compensated appropriately. Yes, they, which for is it. a
0: big thing we didn't touch on. Yeah. They got screwed. Yes. Pretty much everybody yeah. other than the producers. And maybe Toby Hooper got some money out of it, but certainly none of the
2: actors. You, you have people who are making bad deals, uh, who it's already a bad deal to begin with with the point system. They're not being compensated for their time. They go on they suffer incredible emotional and physical distress making this movie some of them had careers after it some of them didn't yeah and then they're they're watching this movie go on to make hundreds of millions of dollars over its lifetime and a movie like this should change their lives they should be their life should be better for the work that they put into it you know so i think it becomes difficult to support the movie after that, but I can recognize um, its place in history. I appreciate it. I think if you love horror, you should, you should know it. You should watch it. Um, As far as what I'm going to do with my disc, um, if I were to upgrade, I would definitely, I said Diabolic DVD, uh, which is one of my favorite places to buy and discover new movie, new horror movies. Um, Just Made an announcement you could pre order um, a version from a company called uh, Second Sight Films in the right. UK. Mm-hmm. So there's like a Blu ray, there's a 4K Ultra HD, and, and they put out a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. Um, there's a limited edition um, and they look awesome. And there's a Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 4K UHD limited edition coming out from Vinegar Syndrome too. That yeah. looks really fun. Um, so I would probably get one of those. Um, It would be really interesting to see it in 4K and how that changes the vibe of the Mm -hmm, movie. mm -hmm. So that feels like another way to experience the movie again. But yeah, I don't know if that clarifies where I stand. So you're going to trash it? I'm going to trash this one, yeah.
0: Okay. Well, I think this movie is a Stone Cold classic. I got to be honest, I love it. The aesthetics of it alone are such a comfort to me. I that's where the rewatch value comes for me. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it is layered and that it does have depth and that I can watch it again now for the, at least the 10th time in my life and still be discovering new things about it and be able to put more pieces together and find new depth in it is telling that it's just a well-made movie. And I look forward to again, returning to it in a couple of years. Um, The DVD, however, that I have is not up to par. You know, I told, uh, I mentioned that I had to work on the aspect ratio to get it to fit the TV. I would love to see this movie in 4K. I would love to see what it looks like. Um, So I think I am going to upgrade this. And I'm going to get that second sight Blu-ray. Because it does look fucking awesome.
2: You're not going to get the 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 4K Blu-ray.
0: Well, I don't have a 4K player. Mm. But I do. I should get one. You have 4K TV. I have a 4K TV. Yeah. Okay, I'll I'll do it. Because usually be...
2: the 4K version of any movie will come with a regular Blu-ray disc. Then, as then well. that
0: settles it. Then yeah. I'm going to get the I'm going to upgrade to the 4K. Mm-hmm. This is one of my favorite horror movies of all time. I can't get rid of it. Uh, and. I totally agree. I do think there's, you know, so many great movies have really questionable ways of being made and uh, it does make it hard to reckon with certain things. Um, But I love the movie. So I'm going to upgrade it and I'm going, that means that listeners, if you want to join the Patreon, what we do when we upgrade our films or when we trash them, we put them up on the Patreon. So if you join our Patreon, not only will you get bonus episodes, but you'll also be able to Get your chance to get this DVD if you want it. We will be putting it up there. And they,
2: but they have to be a subscriber. At, you have to be a Patreon subscriber at, at any level. tier level.
0: Uh, no, you have to be. Uh, you can't be the super bit. You have to be a, okay. the collector's edition tier or higher.
2: Well, I feel bad because I want to upgrade, but, but no yours one, is shit. N- mine is shit. <laughs> no one's going to want to. Well, broken why don't we disc. do?
0: Why don't we double do it? Why don't we just put them both? Whoever the winner is gets both, and you can toss. Well, yeah, because yours has got all
1: the special features. We
2: could do that, or I brought my Texas Chainsaw Massacre lunchbox that i was willing to also offer up hey
0: if you're willing to give it to, i'm sure the the patreon subscribers we got to yeah. come up with names for them on me the, i'll I'll, the sh- possessed... I'll ship it to
2: you uh i think it should be separate from from the dvd
0: not not no, just do they get it all
2: one one person gets the disc
0: one person gets <laughs> very special guys so get the subscribing uh okay so now that we've said everything there is to say about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, what do you say we play?
3: The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, quote, spectacular. It's going to be a fun trip. <laughs> oh my God.
0: That's right. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, quote, spectacular. So here's the goal. Here's the game.
1: Justin
0: looks dumb I am going to read you a quote from somebody. It's not a characters in the movie. These are quote that people have said about the movie. And you two have to guess who said the quote. It's multiple choice. It's world? multiple
1: choice. Oh, okay.
0: Quote number one. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre looked like someone stole a camera and started killing people. It has a wild, feral energy that I had never seen before, with none of the cultural band-aids that soften things. It wasn't nice. Not at all. I was scared shitless. Is that A, Wes Craven, B, John Landis, C, Rob Zombie, or D, Mark McGuire? Oh my god.
2: <laughs>
0: I'll, I'll take a guess. Okay, Justin chimes in. Rob Zombie. (laughs) Wrong answer,
2: Corey. Do you have a guess? I'm
1: gonna say Mark McGuire because that's so random. What? (laughs) Um, All right, can I guess (laughs) again? Can I guess again? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I thought it was like a trick. Yeah,
0: John Landis.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um. Okay, I have the answer in (laughs) Wes Craven.
0: (laughs) That's correct. Corey has a point. Mm.
2: That's bogus.
0: (laughs) The Master of Horror. This isn't a game. This is a massacre.
1: He just wanted a quote on the box. That's not on the box. Oh. (laughs) That actually came from Shock Value. Mm, Read it.
0: Quote number two. I was skeptical about doing Texas Chainsaw at first because it's such a cult classic. I'd seen some of the sequels and was not a fan of those. Jessica Biel. Let me read... Sorry. (laughs) ...the multiple choices first. Is that A, Matthew McConaughey, B. Renee Zellweger. C. Jessica Beale. Or D. Toby McGuire. <laughs>
2: I'll let you go. Okay.
1: Well, now I forgot that they, they're in the sequel, huh?
0: Matthew and Renee. That is correct. Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger. I do want to see this sequel now, actually. Texas Chainsaw Massacre The Next Generation, which is part four.
1: I guess I'll just stick with my original and there are Jessica Beale.
3: Yes!
0: Nice. Corey in the lead with two Ooh, points. Justin has zero. The new queen
1: of Horror.
0: Okay. Quote number three. I don't have anything against the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. If it scares somebody, I think that it's serving a valid purpose. It is doing what the filmmaker intended, but it is not something that you hand to kids. Is that A, Oprah Winfrey? B, Steven Spielberg, C, Stephen King, or D, Jerry Maguire? E, my dad. <laughs> <laughs> now, that, if, it was, if it was D, Jerry Maguire, that would mean it was a quote from the movie Jerry Maguire.
2: Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Stephen King.
0: That's correct. Justin, points on the board. Okay, it's two to one.
1: How many questions are there?
0: I don't remember. Make it quick. (laughs) (laughs) Quote number four. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre hitchhiker really made people never want to hitchhike again. Hitchhiking is always vaguely sexual. Was that A, Alfred Hitchcock? B, John Waters? D, Jack Kerouac? Famous beat poet and hitchhiker himself. Or D, Lizzie McGuire, <laughs> from Disney I Channel. I wish more
1: than anything it was Lizzie McGuire, but I'm gonna guess it was John Waters.
0: Corey. Okay, there's only one more, and so since Justin only has one point and Corey <laughs> has three, but we want to make this interesting here. Sure. This one is worth four points
1: oh my god four points
0: which means Justin could win this if he
1: gets it right bullshit but okay
0: quote number five
2: the final quote I don't care if I win or lose
1: to me right I can see you sweating right
0: now to me the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is one of the few perfect movies ever made there are very few perfect movies and this is okay since in the pursuit of cinematic art Perfection shouldn't be the goal. Nevertheless, when it's accomplished, even by accident, it's an achievement. Was this A, Stanley Kubrick, B, George Romero, C, Quentin Tarantino, or D, Mick G? I'm
2: going to go with C, Tarantino.
0: Justin wins the oh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre's Cool, spectacular. This game's toxic, don't worry. <laughs> so
2: we're both winners here. Thanks, yeah, Justin. For putting up with Jack. Thank you, good God. And that,
0: my friends, is the show. Follow us on social media at Cinema Possessed Pod, where we announce next week's movie ahead of time. And if you want to get in touch, email us at cinemapossessedpod at gmail.com. And if you want to hear more, head on over to patreon.com slash cinemapossessedpod and unlock the Cinema Possessed bonus materials. That's our bi-monthly bonus episodes where we talk about more than just what's in our collection. Plus, you'll gain access to Patreon-only giveaways, community message boards, and a whole lot more. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever the hell you get these pods. And as always, keep watching the movies you love and stay possessed. Later. 拜拜。